chapter 17. We're going to be doing a, a good amount of Bible thumping also here this, uh, this morning, as far as turning pages, making a joyful noise. Bless your word, Lord. In Jesus' name. Acts 17, beginning in verse 1. Are you ready? Okay. Here we go. Now, when they had passed through an Anaphilus and Apollonia, they came to where? To where? Have we studied about the church in Thessalonica before? Good, good. Then you have a good, good basis, a good foundation. Where was a synagogue of the Jews. People say that they passed through the other two cities because perhaps there wasn't a synagogue. Because maybe there wasn't a place where uh, Paul could use a pulpit or where he could preach from. So he passed over those two cities and he went into Thessalonica. Others say that he went there because he had just come out of Philippi and he'd gotten beaten up and he'd gotten thrown in jail. So maybe he figured, I'll get a little ways away and go into Thessalonica. Okay. And verse 2, And Paul, as his manner was, went into them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the Scriptures. Remember how long was he in Thessalonica? Three weeks. Those of you remember, he was only there three weeks, and God raised up a mighty army. Opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead, and that his, this Jesus, whom I preach unto you, is who? And some of them believed, and consorted with Paul and Silas, and of devout Greeks a great multitude, and of the chief women not a few. But the Jews which believed not, moved with envy, took unto them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort. And the ones, those people that hang out in the corners. And gathered a company and set all the city in an uproar and assaulted the house of who? And sought to bring them out to the people. And when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brothers into the rulers of the cities, crying, These that have turned the world upside down are come here also, whom Jason has received, and, the, and these all do contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, one who? And they troubled the people and the rulers of the city when they heard these things. And when they had taken security of Jason, and of the other they let them go. Verse 6, these are they that have turned the world, what? Actually right side up, but upside down. Uh, they were being accused. Now, how could these people, or this, actually it was a mob. Remember, it says, uh, uh, baser sort of fellas. Uh, I guess Luke, the, the writer of, of Acts, was trying to be nice there, because he probably knew a few baser type of fellows that got to change their lives. But these were like thugs. These are guys that hung out in the corners and, and could care less about tomorrow, today, or yesterday, or forever. The kind of guys that their motto was, so what? You ever known any of those kind of guys? Hallelujah. Huh? So what? You know, you got to go to jail. So what? You know, you don't have enough to eat. So what? You know, you're drinking all your, your baby's milk money. So what? These kind of guys. And they had gathered together. They were a mob. Uh, and they come and they accuse a small group. This mob comes and accuses a small group of individuals of turning the world upside down. See, Thessalonica was only one city. It was just like Hayward or like the East Bay. It was just one city. 
Now, the term that they use here in verse 6, it's actually an exaggeration. How could one city turn the world upside down? One, 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 one thing there. How could just a few people turn the world upside down? That was an exaggeration, more or less, what they were trying to say here. But see, the missionaries, or Paul and Silas and Timothy and Luke and the fellows there, the missionaries, they had just come from Philippi. Again, where they had been mistreated. And, and they had developed a reputation. And the people here in this city of Thessalonica, they no doubt, my friend, had heard about what had happened over in Philippi. But let's turn to uh, chapter 16 of Acts. Look at verses 9 and 10. See, they had been thrown in prison there, and, and, and they had been let out. Because through, through a miracle that had happened there, when Paul and Silas really got down seeking God. But the people in Thessalonica had heard what had happened over in the city of Philippi. So they said, man, these guys are troublemakers. They're turning the world upside down. Okay, look at verse, verses 9 and 10 of chapter 16. Do you have it? This is what I want, I want to zero in on here, okay? And the vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of what? And prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and what? And after he had seen the what? Immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Assuredly gathering that the Lord had what? Called us. See, God had definitely called the missionaries to a very certain task. And they were not about, my friend, to allow any power of hell to stop them. Why do you think the book of Acts was written? Because these people had put their faces to a flint towards the things of God. And they weren't going to let nobody stop them. Just being thrown in jail, so what? They took that attitude and used it for the good. Um, they were... You know, they had made up their minds and their hearts to serve God. They had seen a vision. They had heard the call of God. Their desire was to be faithful to what a lot of scholars call the Macedonian call. You're going to be hearing a lot about that today. The Macedonian call. In other words, the people of Macedonia cried out and said, Hey, somebody, will you help me? Somebody, can you come over here and make a difference? We need a change. We need something good. We're tired of the same old, same old. The Macedonian call. Hmm? It's very similar to the call that you and I have been charged with. It's very similar to the same call that the people here of Within Victory Outreach have been called with. The Macedonian call. Hmm? See... A good number of men and women within the Victory Outreach ranks, my friend, we have felt that call. We have seen that vision. I ordinarily don't speak like this because later on I'll explain to you why. But every now and then you need to be put into proper perspective. And you need to understand that you're not just another monkey hanging on a tree. I like when Sonny comes over here and he, oh, he reinforces it. He comes in and I say, all right, all right. Because you know, I never tell him what to preach on. I never know what he's going to say. But, but, but you're able to hear it, so to speak, from the horse's mouth. Uh, believe me, he's, God showed him a vision. God showed me too. But I don't come over here and say, listen, mira nomás, open up your mouth. And shove it in. No. You have to catch it yourself. The Macedonian calm, my friend. It's a vision, you see. Uh, whenever... 
Maybe that you're watching the evening news. It's the vision that is there, my friend. It's the call that is there. When you hear about a gang member who's been killed, you feel that Macedonian call. Will somebody help me? When something, my friend, is mentioned about an incident that happened within our prison walls, you feel that Macedonian call, do you not? If you don't, then you don't have that vision yet. Uh-huh. When you read the paper, my friend, and there's a story about drug addiction that perhaps is sweeping the nation or even the world, you feel that Macedonian call. That's the Macedonian call. Mm. The Macedonian call, my friend, is that tug that mothers feel, my friend, when they hear the sirens going on during the night or even during the day. That's the Macedonian call. Man, I don't, I don't really, really know for this one. Uh, because I, f- I feel it. Hallelujah. You mothers know what I'm talking about. Every time you hear that siren, could it be my son? I remember when they came one time, uh, the sirens went all night in my neighborhood. I got up early in the morning and I went to my mom's house. I didn't used to live with her. She said, son, the sirens were going on all night long. I got up and I followed them. They went to Fillmore where a, a cop was killed. I thought maybe it was for you. And it was for me. But after that cop was killed, they stopped all the warrants. They picked me up a few months later. Mothers can feel it, my friend. That's the Macedonian call. When a baby goes crying unattended to, that's the Macedonian call. When you hear a baby crying and crying and a mother will not go over and and cuddle it because she's too busy doing something else. When you hear of the latest war springing up somewhere, and all the while, my friend, you, your and I, my friend, we, you and I have the answer. That verse 17, verse 7 of, of chapter 16 proclaims, it says that other king, one Jesus. 16, 7 says that one Jesus. Mm. Speaks about it there in, 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 in verse 7 of chapter 17, excuse me. We have the answer. So out of that one, my friend, seemingly trivial city came the cry. That one little city out of Thessalonica, my friend. These that have turned the world upside down. I pray that you get what I'm talking about here today. You know we don't play church over here. We, we, we love to have church. We have church. God really moves. God blesses. But we don't come away. This isn't a bless me club. This is not. Uh, we have been charged with a heavy call, that Macedonian call. Hmm. Now, what was God? See, there, when they said these people have turned the world upside down, these were secular people. These were not Christian people. They said these people have turned the world upside down. Actually, these secular-minded individuals were uttering a prophetic utterance. The world had not been turned upside down yet, but it was about to. Huh? And it's about to now as well in these last days. Remember, my friend, how in our study that the Thessalonian uh, church there in Thessalonica, they had received much acclaim of their faith. Look at the First Thessalonians 1.8. Remember how long had the gospel been preached there by the Apostle Paul? Three weeks. And already they hadn't received much acclaim, much fame of their faith had gone out. First Thessalonians 1 Thessalonians 1.8. 
Look at verse 7. It shows. We'll begin reading verse 7. You have it, First Thessalonians chapter 1, 7 and 8. So that you were examples to all that believe in where? Macedonia, the Macedonian call, and Achaia. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to God word is spread abroad, so that we need not to speak anything. Paul and his company of missionaries, they'd only been there three weeks. But the words, my friend, of the people there of that city had received, been received with joy. If you study the scriptures there in, in Thessalonians, they had received it with joy and with much eagerness. I believe the church here in Victory Outreach in Hayward, my friend, we have a lot of similarities to the church in Thessalonica. We have a lot of similarities here. Paul had come into the city. He had been burning with a fresh vision, a fresh call that God had given him to go into Macedonia. He came in burning. Nothing could stop him. Nothing could, 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 could alter his course that he had to take. My wife and I, we came up here in a U-Haul. But something was burning. It was burning. Huh? I remember coming, man. I had a hundred tracks. That we, you could hardly read them. Didn't even have our address or phone number because I didn't know what it was. And I would sit there at night just, you know, and I, I know, I know what it's like. The enemy was saying, get out of here. You don't belong in the city. Get out, get out, get out, get out. He lies to everybody. When he says, get out, when I hear a, a, a fresh guy going out in the city and says, I heard the enemy saying for me to get out. I know that's the enemy and I know that's God saying, stay. Because the enemy always does that. But Paul had come in there with a fresh Macedonian call upon his heart. And he began to preach the word, the Bible says there. He was preaching the word. That same vision and call, my friend, was transmitted and joyfully picked up by the people. It was picked up by the people. They understood what Paul wanted to say. Look at chapter 2 of 1 Thessalonians. Look at the similarities there with our church. Verses 4, 5, 6, and 13. He was preaching the word, my friend. You know, and oh, I'll wait till I get to it. So I'm going to get ahead of myself. <laughs> I may as well say it. <laughs> but, you know, it, it gets to me sometimes when, when, when people come and start preaching against this church, against that religion, against sometimes you're wasting a message as far as I'm concerned. You've got to preach a word. Well, the church, who do they think? They're? Nah, preach a word. The word will do it. Look at verse, verse uh, 4 of chapter 2 of 1 Thessalonians. But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the what? Even so we what? Not as pleasing men, but God would try our hearts. Verse 5 and 6. For neither at any time use we flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak of covetousness. God is witness. Nor of men saw we glory, neither of you, nor yet of others, when we might have been burdensome as the apostles of Christ. Now verse 13. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. That's the way you have received the word, believe me. God is moving here in our midst. We can identify with this church there in Thessalonica. Paul preached the gospel. He preached the word of God, my friend. And in so doing, the Thessalonians received it and they followed it. 
It says there that in verse, in verse 14 says that they, re, they, they received it the same way the people in, in the region of Judea received it. And what that tells me is the same way that the people in Southern California, the way the vision of victory outreach is not unfolding there, and the way they have received and taken to the word, you're doing the very same thing. I remember in the early stages, it wasn't quite early, but early for me. There was a man by the name of Selwyn Hughes, a very learned scholar from England, and he's a good friend of ours. And he came to teach in Victory Temple. And I remember he had, he had a chalkboard. He was getting down. He was heavy. He's deep, the guy. And man, our people were just there eating it up. And I was with Sonny when, when, uh, when the guy talked to me. He says, you know what, man? Your people, I mean, they jump. You throw them out, you throw them out a morsel, they go for it. And they're, they're, they're like waiting. Give me more, give me more, give me more. Uh, they're just receiving, receiving the word. And that's the same thing that has happened over there in that region. is happening here. Uh, in the East Bay. See, the key was that Paul, he didn't compromise. And he didn't hold nothing back like the verse 4 says there, but he preached the word. And by it, my friend, the people picked up the vision that he had, that God had given him in Macedonia, to go to Macedonia. So that within a short period of time, my friend, the word of the faith of the People there in the Thessalonican church, within a short period of time, it began to spread abroad. A lot of people started hearing about the church in Thessalonica. They said, man, we, uh, we know about that church. We know about the faith that is happening there and the move of God within their midst. Now here I would have to say, and I'm saying it as Paul says there before God, because he's my witness. I've tried very hard not to preach opinion. I've tried the best that I can not to preach opinion to you people. I need to do what Paul did here. Just preach the word. Preach the word. I've got that vision. I know I got it. Uh, and, and at any time you could snap and at any time you could get it. But my main thing is not to give you that. You're going to get that. You're gonna, if, if I heard it, you'll hear it. If I saw it, you'll see it. Eventually. Some of you are going to get it today. Hallelujah. Uh, because I'm zeroing in on it. Mm. But Paul was preaching the word. At times, many times I've spoken about the vision within Victory Outreach. But my friend, though that's a fact from heaven. God has given us a, 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 a vision. God has given us a, a call. I have mostly stuck to the pure word of the gospel. See, because I know Victory Outreach don't save. I'm not preaching Victory Outreach, believe me. Victory Outreach don't save. Victory Outreach is not magic. Ooh, Peter Pan. It's not magic. Ah. I can't save you. Sonny can't save you. Uh, no, 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 no. These were just men. Uh, but God has placed that Macedonian call within us. He has heard the cry, my friend, of the people that need help. Mm. Yet, my friend, somehow the majority of you, you've picked up that Macedonian call that God has sovereignly placed within Victory Outreach. The word has gone forth with power, my friend, and you've been able to pick it up. And I, friend, I see a 20th century Thessalonican church being raised up in our midst. I repeat, I can see a 20th century Thessalonican church being raised up here in the East Bay. Where in the world, hallelujah, is Hayward? Now you might say, why? Why victory outreach? Who do they think they are? We don't think we're nobody. We know who we are in Christ. You do too. Amen. No, but why victory outreach? Well, probably, my friend, for the very same reason that he picked the Jews. He just picked them because he wanted to. So what? God can say that. He's sovereign. 
He's a God of all providence. Now don't misinterpret me, okay? We're not the Jews. We're not. <laughs> it's not Pinedestein, you know. We're not the Jews, okay? The only thing is that God, uh, just like he looked down and heard the cries of the slaves in Egypt, as they were pounding out that clay and that mortar and that brick, uh, as he continually heard and as he continually witnessed the plight and the bondage of the people in Egypt, he's done the same thing here in the 20th century. Uh, that same unchangeable God, my friend, who heard the cry of the hurting has heard the cry of the hurting in this last days in the 20th century. He's heard their cry, my friend. He heard the mother. This is why my son, God, why is he hooked on this drug? Why my son? How come he's got to be living this kind of a lifestyle? Is there no way out? He's heard that cry. He's seen the potential of the genius that he created within that young man whose growth, my friend, was stunted and destroyed simply because he was of the wrong color. I hope you heard that. Uh, he has created individuals that got so much potential, diamonds in the rough, treasures in darkness. He made them people. Why should just anybody else have genius just because they're the right color? No. There's so much potential in our midst. He has seen that. He's tired of him being destroyed by a needle, by alcohol. He's tired of that. By not having the right methods and the right motive to, to be channeled that power of the Holy Spirit within their lives. My friend, God is hurt when the talent of another Ray Charles or Jose Feliciano went in the wrong direction simply, my friend, because the fire of the Holy Spirit was not being properly channeled by the so-called church of today. He's created a lot of them. But what have they done? They've gone the secular route because the power of the church of God was being channeled in the wrong direction. They, weren't afraid, they were afraid to, to, to love people. He's heard their cry. Listen to me. How long do you think I can take it? How long do you think God can take that? He keeps creating geniuses. He keeps creating people with talent made in the likeness in his own image. And they keep being destroyed. And the, the power being channeled in the wrong direction. How long can he take it? When his word has been proclaimed in black and white for ages upon ages. That God is not willing that any should perish but all come to repentance. It's been in black and white for ages. How long do you think he can take it my friend? Ah. And yet day after day his spirit sits and rests in funerals. Funeral houses. His spirit wants to move but it can't because that person has gone to a Christless eternity. He wanted to move like he moved in, in, in the funeral with Sister uh, Connie. We had a beautiful time. The family was challenged. But yet his spirit just rests there. It doesn't move. It can't move. It rests in funeral after funeral. Crying for the hurting. Because they went into a crisis eternity. How long, my friend? How long do you think you can take it? Uh, where in the world is Hayward? Well, over my live body. Uh, 
And as much of the world as possible is going to find out where Hayward is. Hmm? It's going to find out. With the help of the Holy Spirit and with the help of as many people as will hear that Macedonian call and follow suit. They're going to find out. This is not to elevate one ministry or any certain person, but it's to elevate King Jesus. That's what the scripture says there, King Jesus. One king by the name of Jesus. I know better than my friend than to try and glorify any man or any ministry above Jesus. I'm not going to do that. Uh, I know better. Like I said, we're not magic. But I also know better than to sit back and enjoy my salvation. It's great. It's beautiful. It's fun being saved, like they say. But I know better. I know better than to glorify one ministry, one man. But I also know better than to just be able to, to, to walk and to talk, my friend, like a real, real selfish. I know better than that. There's too many people dying. The more I read the word, the more I read the Bible, the more I understand of it, my friend. The more that Macedonian call burns within my heart. I've said this before and I'm going to say it again. I haven't said it in about a couple of years. But my friend, the more I read the word, the more challenged I get. I didn't need Billy Graham to call me up and say, Brother Steve, could you live for God 100%? Could you tell people about you? Could you make tracks? Could you pass out tracks? Could you have rallies? I didn't need Billy Graham to do that. I didn't need Billy, uh, Nicky Cruz to come and write me a letter and say, Oh, brother Steve, the world is dying. I wouldn't be able to understand him anyways. I didn't need Sonny Agazzoni to come and say, Oh, I see you in my congregation, brother Steve. I see the light illuminating out of your eyes. I can see the call of God all over you, brother. Come here. Let me lay hands on you. I'll do whatever I can for you. I didn't need that. Never got it anyways. I've read the same Bible they do. That's all. I've read the same Bible. The Macedonian call. It won't leave me alone. Hallelujah. Pray it don't leave you alone either. Because uh, it's worth it, my friend. It's worth it. Mm. And I'm not in this to compete. I'm in this to complete. We're not in this to compete. We're from Victory Outreach. No. We're in this to complete the course. Amen. Story about a missionary couple. They had been laboring for over 40 years in a, in, a, in, a, in a terrible region. They had been out there laboring for God, working for God. And they had to go over to England and then catch a boat over to the United States. And they were on their way from England to the United States. And just so happened that on that very same boat there was an ambassador to the country of England from America. And that individual received nothing but first-class treatment. They spotted him, the two missionaries, it was a husband and wife team. And they spotted him, and he was nothing but first class. He'd go out there, and he'd go out on the deck, and everybody would see him. And, oh, can we help you, Mr. Ambassador? Yes, you want an orange. You know, oh, yes, Mr. Ambassador, yes, nothing but first class. And they were just there watching him, wow. Finally, after the seven-day journey from England to the United States, they, 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 they came, and they seen the Statue of Liberty. They were pulling in, and they seen a big old procession. Big old, you know, trombones and, 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 and the victory band. I'm just kidding. But they were there, you know, to, to welcome him in. And they looked. And it was for the ambassador. It says, welcome home, Mr. Ambassador. Well done. He's out on the deck. Big old white suit. Cigar. And he comes in. And then he gets out there and he makes a big old speech. 
Oh yeah, there was a bunch of hoopla, a bunch of, bunch of, uh, uh, you know, a bunch of nothing really. And he made a big old fancy speech. And then everybody left. And there was a missionary couple. They were sitting there and the husband was just shaking his head. He says, I can't understand it, honey. We've toiled, we've labored, we've worked hard these 40 years. But nobody was even here. Nobody even noticed us. Nobody even seen us on the boat. Nobody even noticed. Nobody even said, hi, how you doing? We get home and there's not even anybody to welcome us. The family didn't even come. And this guy over here, I don't understand it, honey. The wife looks at him and says, well, son, well, well, dad. It's because we're not home yet. We're not home yet. That ambassador got home. We're not home yet. It's not complete yet. Just wait till we are ushered in by the presence of God through the holy angels. Hallelujah. It's worth it. Mm. My friend, I believe that if God should tarry another 8 to 10 years, Victory Outreach in Hayward is going to help turn the world upside down. We're not going to do it all. We're going to help turn the world upside down. Uh, you know, the very last commandment that Jesus gave was, Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Make disciples. Mm. He said, Go. That was his last orders that he left us. That was his last command of our captain. All we want to do is follow orders, amen? We need to follow orders. Out of our midst will come not only men and women who know the word, but people, my friend, that are doers of the word. That's what's going to happen here in our midst. There's a drug addict, Odin, right now in the city of Miami, probably a few of them. Miami's terrible. That Macedonian call. There's a teenage girl Right now in the city of Chicago, turning her first trick. And she's acting like she knows what she's doing. She's hiding behind the makeup that she's put on. Her first trick right now. A teenage girl. Hiding behind that makeup. That facade. Hiding behind what her pimp told her. To try and drown out her guilt of what she's doing. She don't want that. She don't need that. The people in Macedonia said, will somebody come and help me? Yes, we can. We can. God's helped you. We have the goods. We know King Jesus. There's a child right now that is starving in Mexico. And not just because of the economy, my friend, but because Satan has gripped that nation, my friend. And he has raped that nation in the name of religion. And you know what I'm talking about. He's raped that nation in the name of religion. Ain't nobody going to get to heaven. Ain't nobody going to change in the name of religion. It's the name of Jesus. There's a communistly minded individual in El Salvador right now persecuting Christian fanatics. That's what he's doing. And it's no fault of his own, my friend. It's no fault of his own. It's only that a few spiritual soldiers, my friend, too few have taken up the ranks within the real war. That's all. There's a soldier in El Salvador right now. He's persecuting the Christians. And it's not his fault. It's just that too few people have really begun to fight the real spiritual war. That's all. It's not his fault.
Egypt. And then he took them into the promised land, and they had to take it by force. So is God doing again that very same thing in the latter days with us. Hmm? There are Joshua's and Caleb's here in our midst. There are Joshua and Caleb's right now that are asleep that should be here, but there are Joshua's and Caleb's. Don't worry. God's going to get them. Uh, they're here. There's some Joshua and Caleb's in Santa Rita jail right now. Uh, there's some Joshua's and Caleb's at home right now trying to find satisfaction on a pigskin. That's right. Trying to find their satisfaction in our nation's capital by a pigskin being pushed around. Huh? But God, Jehovah God, He's not there. He ain't out watching the redskins. Jehovah God is here right now. He's here right now. Huh? He is more concerned with you, my friend, than a little bitty old Super Bowl. That ain't nothing to him. Bible says the foolishness of God is wiser than the wisdom of man. He don't care about all that stuff. He knows better than to buy season tickets to the 49er games. He's here on Sundays. Hallelujah. He ain't concerned with all that stuff. Mm. This is where God builds men and women. Here, my friend, is where he equips and he trains his people. Not one whisper, my friend, is heard in heaven when Jim Plunkett finds Cliff Branch in the end zone. Not one whisper. They don't care about that stuff. Not one whisper. When Jim Plunkett finds Cliff Branch in the end zone. Not one whisper is heard in heaven. But all of the kingdom, all of the angels here when Jim Schwartz finds God at the altar. Yeah. Hallelujah. All heaven hears. That's what they're concerned with. Not with season tickets. Hallelujah. We should get season tickets for the church. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> God has ways of getting his message across. He has ways, my friend. All he's doing is just scouting for potential. He's a scout on his team. He's just scouting for potential. Who's got, why, why, look what I can do with this one. Look what I can do with that one. Look, 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 look at all the potential. I mean, my friend, if he has... If he's got ways of letting all the angels know, and that's a big kingdom, when one soul gets saved, I think he has ways of being able to get you across a few hundred miles away to go do a work for him. Uh, this is a small world to God. It's not, going to, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to come overnight, all these things that we're talking about, world evangelism. It's not going to come overnight. But what God has put together, let no man put asunder. He's put this plan together just like he put these husbands and wives even closer together here today. It's going to take sacrifice and it's going to take action mixed with compassion. That's what it's going to take. It's going to take your action mixed with God's compassion. You think that Satan's going to give up decoder just like that? Huh? You think that he's going to leave A Street to go on vacation? Uh -uh. Do you believe he's going to uh, break our doors down and leave the keys to Newark and, and Oakland here in our midst? Think he's going to kick our doors down and leave us the keys of those cities? It's going to take his blood, our sweat, and your tears. That's what it's going to take. Hmm. Many of our cities, my friend, many of our neighborhoods have been fallow ground long enough. I want you to turn with me. I want to 
explain to you fallow ground. Somebody turn to Hosea 10, 12. Now most of you people, you probably don't understand what I mean by fallow ground. And I don't want to lose you here, but I'm going to finish. I'm going to explain to you what fallow ground is. Hosea 10, 12. Many of our cities, my friend, have turned into fallow ground. The majority of you have it? It says, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord, that He may come and rain salvation upon you. Break up your fallow ground, because it is time, it is time, it is time, it is time to seek God. Because he's ready to rain the seed of salvation upon our neighborhood. It's time. It's time. You're going to, oh, hallelujah. The reason I'm getting like that because I know what fellow ground is. Let me explain it to you. Then I'll let you go like that too. <laughs> hallelujah. Okay. Again in Jeremiah 4.3, now to turn to what it says, break up your fellow ground. Fellow ground is not just hard ground. It's hard. But it has been purposely hardened. For the sake of harvest. It has been left. It has been plowed and it was tilled, but they didn't put seed in it. The fellow ground is hard. It, it, you know, it's bitter. It's hurt. It's sick. But it has been already plowed, but they didn't put no seed in it. They left it for one season, two seasons, three seasons. The more, the more productive it becomes. The more productive once they put the seed in, then it becomes very, very productive. And the, the seed grows greater. So yes, my friend, uh, many of our people are hard. Many of our people are bitter. You witness to them and say, I don't want to hear it. Take that on down the ramp. They're hard. They're bitter. They're hurting. They're even hateful. Yes, my friend. There's not much fruit that has been coming out of our neighborhoods. But it's only fallow ground. It's only fallow ground. It's ready. It's ready for the taking. There's no reason at all why our church should not grow in numbers. None at all. Because it's fallow ground. It's hard. Yes, but it's ready for the latter rain to come. And God to rain his salvation upon them. Ready for the farmer to give the command for the seeds to be planted. It's time, Hosea says. Maybe a lot of our neighborhoods have been in bondage. But God is not slack concerning his promises. The Israelites were enslaved in Egypt 380 years. Our neighborhoods have been down a little bit. Not 380 years. But they've been down. But now it is time for that fallow ground, my friend, to be broken up with fruit and with greenery. It's time. Take that as a prophecy from Hosea 10, 12. It's time now, my friend. How are we going to break that fallow ground? How is it going to be broken? Through prayer, through fasting, through passing out tracts, through your giving of your finances. That's how we're going to break up the fallow ground. That's how it's going to be done. Remember in Matthew chapter 6, when you give, when you fast, when you what? When you pray. God didn't give us an option. Remember that? He says, when you pray, you better be praying. When you fast, you've got to be fasting. When you give, he mentions, he says when. He doesn't make it an option. That's the way the fellow ground will be broken up. We need to get on our knees, my friend, and we need to travail. We need to intercede for Eastside Oakland. 
We need to, we need to hurt like the people doing 65th and East 14th. That's what we need to do. We need to be empathetic. We need to get in to their sandals. We need to pray for Dakota, for Tennyson. These things won't come out without prayer and fasting. Jesus already told us that. That's what it's going to take. That's how this church is going to be filled. We have a fight on our hands. But his promises are ours. Huh? This is prayer and fasting week. If you do as God wants you to do, watch what happens in the revival. Watch! Watch that fallow ground begin to blossom. Watch the seed begin to take root and people begin to get saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. Just watch how our services will flow and move. Watch how our ministries will begin to blossom. We're involved in a highway program, and I finish with this, Isaiah 35, 7, and 8. Really, I'm done. Isaiah 35, 7, and 8, but I want you to see this. I think I've spoken on this before very quickly. But we're involved in a highway program. Some of you know what I'm talking about, some of you don't. But we're involved in building a highway. I'll be on the highway in a little while, hopefully. And I'll be headed towards Bakersfield. But that highway didn't come easy. It took, took a lot of building, took a lot of effort, took a lot of cost, took a lot of finances, took a lot of dynamite for me to be able to get on the 17 and go all the way to 22nd and V Street in the city of Bakersfield. That's where I got to go. Uh, but it took, it, 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 it took something. Look at Isaiah 35, 7 and 8. I love these verses. And the parched ground or the fallow ground shall become a what? And the thirsty land, oh, shalala santo, springs of water in the habitation of dragons, where each lay shall be grass with reeds and rushes, and a highway shall be there, and a way, and it shall be called the way of holiness. A highway shall be there. Highway programs cost. It takes time. It takes effort. It takes sacrifice. It takes Joshua's. It takes Caleb's. It takes you and I. It takes us to hear that Macedonian call. But once it's complete, once that highway program has been put into action, there's benefits. There's results. Once the highway is complete, you can get on it and travel anywhere you want to go. You can go to Chicago. You can go to New York. You can go to London. You can go to Miami. You can go to Manila. You can go anywhere you want to once that highway program has been completed. You can go to Monterey, Mexico. You can go to Jerez, Zacatecas. Hallelujah. Ah, you can go down to El Salvador. Once that highway program has been put into effect, you can go anywhere in the world. Where in the world is Hayward? It's in Thessalonica. It's in Macedonia. It's in the Bay Area of Northern California. But once the highway program is completed, it can be anywhere it wants to. Where in the world is Hayward? Once that highway program, I hope you catch what I'm trying to tell you. Once we've completed that highway program, it's going to take years. It's going to take a little while. But once that highway program is completed, you can get on that place and you can go anywhere in the world to reach the loss. Will anybody help me? I've heard the cry of my people, the groanings of their suffering. I want every head bowed and every eye closed.